Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, excuse me, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, though he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the mighty waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they had quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. May God bless to our understanding the reading from this holy scripture. Thank you. reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea Obey him. Who then is this indeed? Let us pray. Holy and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So again, friends, there was a big choice today. Did you go to the beach at 8.15, or did you come here and hear the choir? So at the beach, they heard choir, yes. You all chose choir. So now I invite you to close your eyes and imagine the beach. Imagine the sand between your toes. Imagine the gently crashing waves. 
Imagine that horizon which beckons to you. Open your eyes. The seaside is a sacred place, is it not? When the Lord God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, the Lord God said, Take off your shoes, for you are standing on holy ground. And whenever we walk onto the beach, that is the first thing we do, right? We kick our shoes to the side. We stand on holy ground. When we are here in town, when you walk down the street, down pavements and sit on patios, or maybe you are in a city, skyscrapers and sirens and the noise and the bustle, you can forget that still feeling to sit beside the sea, can't you? But then when you go there, and I hope you will all go there today and remember these stories, these gospel stories and scriptures from our lectionary today, it washes away, doesn't it? The whole rest of the world just washes away, and you're surrounded, enveloped in that mystery and majesty and power. It doesn't matter whether it's the ocean or the sea or the lake or our sound, sweet or salty water. You feel that that water is both the source of life and incredibly powerful and dangerous. So our scriptures today center on boats, and I have to think about the ancients and how they felt about boats. They were familiar with them, but it was very, very different, their experience of boating, right? If you were going out boating, you would grab, I'm guessing, plastic water bottles, put them in a plastic cooler with ice. You didn't have any of that. You would throw enough styrofoam, you know, approved life jackets for everyone aboard, flotation devices. If you were on a bigger ship, you would have lifeboats, right, that could inflate in a few minutes. You would definitely have a compass, or you would check your weather app, and you would know there was not a storm coming for three days at least, right? Not so for the people in the ancient world. They had to go out on boats, right? They were fishers, fishermen. They were traveling and journeying. They had cargo ships. The Apostle Paul, we know, was probably shipwrecked four times, And we know that people were not great swimmers, so they felt like it was safer. If you turned to the back of your Bible, you would see the maps of Paul's journeys, and through the Mediterranean, the ships would hug the coast from port to port to port, and no buoys, no flashing lights to show you the way, and they frequently ran aground. So imagine the terror that people experienced, and then imagine them coming home and telling their tall tales. The seafarers, I'm sure people would light fires, and if you had survived a storm like this on a ship, you would have these psalms to sing when you came back, like the psalmist saying that the waves were crashing them up to the heavens and down to the depths. Terrifying, right? Can you imagine? Have you ever been out caught in a storm? Do you know that fear? Yeah, it's completely overwhelming, And you might cry out to the Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? So a clear, calm day on the water is glorious, but a storm could be deadly. So who is God and where is God in the storms in our lives? The psalmist, even though this is a psalm of salvation, is making the claim that God creates the storm and the calm. Does it feel like that when you're in a storm, you wonder, God, did you send this trial to me? 
Did you send this tempest? Did you put me into the situation where I just feel like I need to scream out? Do you care that I'm perishing? We don't know which is more terrifying, that no one is in charge, the hurricane is in charge, or that God is in charge and God sent this hurricane. So if we had little children here, I would ask them who had seen Moana, but now I'm going to get many fewer hands. But who of you has seen Moana? Oh, good. Hooray. The score is written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who um, also wrote Hamilton. The music is absolutely incredible. And the ocean in Moana is the divine power, the divine presence. And she feels called, just like we talk about being called into our life of faith. She feels called to the horizon. And she knows there's something, it's her ancestors, but she knows there's something compelling her to go out in a boat onto the water. And she sings this song. See the light as it shines on the sea, it's blinding. No one knows how deep it goes, and it seems like it's calling out to me, so come find me and let me know what's beyond that line. Will I cross that line? That line where the sky meets the sea, it calls me, and no one knows how far it goes. If the wind in my sail on the sea stays behind me, one day I'll know how far I'll go. And she sets out on her adventure with the ocean surging her along. And then she says at one point to the ocean when she feels like she's aimless and she doesn't know how to get where she's going, can I get a little help here? Do you remember what happens next? The storm. And the storm drives her to be shipwrecked on the beach. And then she realizes once she gets safely to the shore... She's thinking, that is not the kind of help I was looking for. But she realizes she's ended up where she wanted to be, right? And I wonder, now every hand should go up, if you've seen Forrest Gump. So Forrest and his best friend, Lieutenant Dan, right, come home from the Vietnam War, and they take over their friend Bubba's shrimp boat, and they participate in the shrimping, shrimping industry, And they catch nothing day after day, right? Do you remember that scene where they dump the catch on the deck and it's just a couple of rusty something or others from the bottom? And they're praying. They decide to go to church every single Sunday and pray for shrimp. So they pray for shrimp, pray for shrimp. Lieutenant Dan had wanted, had thought he was going to die in the war, right? Instead, he loses both of his legs and he is so angry with God because he thought that was his destiny, to give his life like his father and his grandfather and his great-grandfather and his great-grandfather. This was his destiny. And so when Forrest has saved his life, he has the survivor guilt and he doesn't know what to do with his life. So when that storm, after praying for shrimp, the storm comes. Do you remember this? Lieutenant Dan up on the mast of the ship screaming at God, just absolute, I mean, fury and terror. And yet he's just enraged and screaming at God in the sky. And it feels like he's fighting God in the storm. And then what happens, right? Every other shrimp boat in the industry that hadn't survived that storm is completely wrecked, and they have their catch of shrimp, right? And now can you picture that scene? The dump, like the load after load of shrimp just pouring out all over the deck of the the ship. And it seems like that is how God tested them, And maybe that's how God answered their prayers. How does it feel to us when we're in that trial, right? I don't ever want to say to anybody that God caused you to go through what you're going through. 
I really, really don't. But the psalmist feels that way, right? And we can feel that way in the middle of the storm. And it only feels like once we've made it through the storm and we've arrived in a new place, that it starts to feel like maybe we're grateful for where we are and maybe we acknowledge if we hadn't been through that, we wouldn't have arrived at the safe harbor at our beach. So what happens in our scripture today? How do the disciples feel? Well, when they're in the storm, Jesus is asleep on a cushion in the boat. They have to scream at him and wake him up. Do you not care that we are perishing? We might trust that God is with us, but it might feel more like God is not paying attention, snoozing, napping. Like, come on, God, wake up. Don't you care that we are perishing? So it's hard to know how to interpret God's presence. And I don't want to say that there are easy answers. There aren't, right? There are never easy answers. You have to take where you are, how it feels to you to get through your trials in that moment, and honor that that is just how it feels, that sometimes you're in the storm, you wonder if God sent it, you wonder if it can be used for good. But what the disciples experience is that Jesus wakes up. He puts out his hands and he says to the sea and the storm, what? Peace. Be still. And then they say to each other, who is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. The sea is the sign and the symbol of God's power, but it is not God. There's a saying, may you love God so much that you love nothing else too much. And may you fear God, but fear in a biblical sense is like awe. May you be so in awe of God. May you fear God so much that you fear nothing else at all. So friends, close your eyes again and meditate on the storm in your life. I know we all have one. Or maybe you have just passed through something and ended safely on this safe shore. Picture that storm, that trial. Now in your heart, call upon God. God, do you not care that I am perishing? Honor the way you clung to that mast and rode out that storm or are riding it out even now. Now envision Jesus who has been in your boat all along. You were never alone. Imagine Jesus rising up, stretching out his hands and saying to you and to your storm, peace, be still. And now, friends, as we hear this next hymn, let it settle in your heart. Treasure these words. No storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging. This is the only answer.
Peace, be still. Praise God.